right, uh, me again. Uh, so as Pastor Tim and I talked about his visit out here this time uh, around, we got into talking about our journey as a church here in Portland. And something that we say often about Crosswalk is that what we're doing, the model of Crosswalk, it's not new for church, but it is new within the faith tribe of the Seventh-day Adventist church. Um, and so with something new, there's discomfort. Uh, and so we thought it'd be a good chance for us to just be able to spend some time uh, talking, interviewing each other a little bit, and uh, having some fun with that, but then leaning into what God is doing, not just here in Portland with Crosswalk, but Crosswalk around the world that we're excited to be a part of. So please welcome to the stage my friend and brother, Pastor Tim Gillespie. Um, you can, you can, yeah, no, it's good, it's good. But your daughter at least would, no, you know, least. say something. For sure. Uh, so, but, uh, and, and just to make sure you all know that uh, Tim is fighting some sort of thing that's attacking his, his throat. My throat, yeah. yeah. So he's going to sing a little later for us. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Tim, thanks for coming and being here as always. Um, and it's so fun to be able to. One, one of the things we recognize is that, you know, we get to be a part of conversations of what's happening, certainly in the local context. But there's also so much happening that we don't, like, like a person that's just coming each week, they don't get to see. And so that's a bit of the conversation uh, today. But we're going to start with a few questions that I got from some of our leaders. So the first one is, uh, did you know each other before Crosswalk? Yes. <laughs> yes, we did. We've known each other. I thought we had met a little later. Yeah, yeah. But you reminded me we had met October a little. October 14, 2008. That's specific. It's <laughs> very specific. No, it's, it was, it, it, I think we knew about each other. I knew about uh, Tim. And there was this band you used to be a part of that some people, uh, you know, yeah, knew. And you guys played at the Moda Center once, right? Yeah. Yeah. What is that? It's called the Moda Center. It used, it used to, to be, be the, Rose. the Rose Garden. We played at the Rose Garden. Yeah, Rose Garden. That's, a, that's what it should be called, yes? Just so you know, you yeah. two played there, and then we played there. <laughs> Pretty much the same audience. Much same later, band. much yeah. later. It's not the same night <laughs> at all. Uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, but then we got to know each other better through the one project yeah. and then just continuing to work uh, together. So uh, then the question came, which one of you is older? Which is you. I am older. Yeah. I'm older. Four years. And wiser. So much yeah. wiser. Four years. But, but to be fair, Tim has looked this old since he was 26. Yeah, my wife used to say, you look really great for 56. I'm like, I'm 42. She's all I know. <laughs> uh, then the, the question was, who has more black clothes in their closet? I do. Yeah, hands Definitely. down. Definitely. Yeah. I think at one point he told me he had 45 black T-shirts. Listen, the reason why, let me just tell you, I often forget I'm doing a baptism and then I get to the church and I have to get a black shirt and then I've worn it into the baptismal pool so it's blessed and holy mine. So I just take it home. Just take another one and take it home, wash yeah, it, and much. it's in your closet. That's, yeah, that's fine. So I get it. You do a lot of baptisms, okay? <laughs> um. <laughs> I wasn't even a flex. It wasn't even a flex. But I mean, if you want to put so numbers to numbers, I, I feel like. So I've got a lot of black. No, sorry. Um, all right. Uh, and then this one was for me because I don't, I don't think Tim knew this. Uh, so we already went through this reveal at the first service. But who was the first to use the word love well? Oh, you lied in the first service. I did lie? And said you were the first one. <laughs> 
So here's what I know. Tim, you, so Crosswalk Church started in 2003. 2003, and right? its, its mission was learning to love well. Well, it was learning to love well. well. Right. It wasn't one word. It, it wasn't was, one word. It was two words. Yeah. And then you uh, joined Crosswalk leading that in? 2014. 14. So I was saying 2012 at Walla Walla University, our theme for the year was love well. And so really, I just use it as an example to say that this merger was meant to be. Oh, yeah. That's what I was thinking. What would you do with that when you were done with it? Just put it away and not think about it anymore? Well, yeah. Didn't make a t-shirt, then, then didn't make the, a bumper sticker? <laughs> We had to go out to the next year of the new theme, so that's what it was. There is a video, I think, on YouTube called uh, Detective Lovewell, though, that was an intro video we did for Campus Ministries. Mm, that sounds weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. All right, so this one was interesting. It was, if you were both stuck on a deserted island with a group of people trying to find a way off said island, what do you think the other person's greatest contribution would be to the rescue effort? So I was thinking about this because I said something very mean in the first service. At the first service, he said my greatest contribution would be meat. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty clever, I thought. And then I said, oh, that's very dark. And then I said, dark meat. And then I, it didn't get better. So anyway, I apologize. Um, so I've been thinking about this. Oh, okay, okay. And I think what you're really good at, Patty, is you're really good at bringing people together and getting them to express their gifts in a really joyful manner. So that's what you do. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's harder to believe you when you say that because of the tone in which you said it. I know. Just very flowery and like, well, it's because you, you bring people together. But thank you. Sometimes thank you. I say stuff flowery. Could, could somebody, yeah. Yeah, could somebody bring my water? Yes. We're in need. Thank, thank you. you. Thank Hannah. You. Thank yes. you, sweetie. Just a way to get Hannah on stage. Oh, careful. All right. It's okay. We have insurance. That was your pedal board, Rick. I'm just, you know. <laughs> um, I said uh, Tim's greatest contribution to get us off the island would be he would, he would come up. He always comes up with stuff that nobody else is thinking about. Nobody else is in the, in the realm of possibilities. And Tim will say it, and it'll be like, wow, that's not even possible. And then, you know, there's a way to do it. However, the follow-up question then is, what would be the thing that would get in the way the most about the rescue effort? And I said for Tim is that he would use big words that none of the rest of us know. <laughs> and because we're on a deserted island, there would be no access to a dictionary to be able to interpret what he's saying. I don't know what, what you thought my, how I would get in the way of the rescue efforts. Jokes. <laughs> Too many jokes. <laughs> it's true. Did uh, you know? You know in the last service. Yeah. I'll tell you afterwards. <laughs> Somebody came up and actually owned something that I, I put on you. I assumed it was your joke. Oh, it's possible. It wasn't you. Oh, it wasn't me. Okay. No. All right. Well, good. Um, so then, transitioning a little bit here uh, is is that the question came: Why did I want to work with Tim and plant a church in Portland? Um, you know, and this is something, you know, for 18 years I was a chaplain uh, at a college, and um, as fun as that is, you work with young adults that then graduate, and, and you, we see so many of them not land at a church afterwards. So even people really involved, people that were leading and participating in college, and, and we needed more of these types of expressions of church and, and that. And, and I remember there was a time even for us that we didn't think this was possible. Right. Uh, I mean, we stood by each other at the Crosswalk Conference in October, mm -hmm. and Tim said to me, like, did you even think we could do church like this mm -hmm. 10 years ago? 
And I said, no, I didn't, I didn't think we could do this. So, um, so it was a burden for those that I had been ministering to. Um, and it was a burden for Portland because I felt like this expression of church was needed. Um, but then honestly, like, I, I, I love my brother. I, uh, and we use that language a lot, and people say, you guys related? No. But, you know, you know spiritually speaking. Um, I'm Scotch-Irish. <laughs> so I know I'm not just Irish like him. Yeah. Um, but it is something that I, I have looked at what Tim has done, the vision he brought to Crosswalk and what, what was happening there, and I thought this is what could work. And, and the opportunity to work with Tim in this, to be involved in how we do church. And really, I think, um, you know, those of us that get to come each week, we experience a local expression of, of what Crosswalk is. But there's this, there's this global ecosystem that is, that is growing where we have a chance to really change the face of Adventism. So for us, it was partly, you know, our work with the One Project. It was those that we administered to that had left the church. It was our own children and trying to make sure, like, what kind of church do they get to inherit? Um, and then that led us to the conversation for here. So. Yeah, and, and just so you know, Crosswalk doesn't have, like, planning, a planned strategy for, like, oh, we want to go to that town or that city. Uh, we just had some interest. When people are interested, we want to go and help them kind of amplify and accelerate the voice of God in their area. And so um, I remember you called me on a Wednesday and we're like, hey, we've been thinking about maybe moving back to the Northwest, Portland. And I was like, well, on Saturday, I'm, on Saturday, I'm meeting with a group of people from Portland. So if you want to fly out, let's meet. Let's do it. And, um, and that really created the beginning of the trajectory here. <laughs> here. Um, we plant churches a certain way. It's not like everybody else does. You know, we, you, they, they offered you a job to come out and plant this church and, on Monday. And then on Thursday, COVID shut the world down. And luckily, because we have this network of churches, we were able to, you know, move online. And you weren't having to spend all your time just working on creating content for this new church plant that nobody knew about at this point. You could just go and meet people and greet people and do what you do best, this incredible incredible pastoral ministry that you do. And so we were blessed to be able to help you do that and then plant a church during COVID. And then I know it was hard you know, getting going and um, that sort of thing. But, but the global network has allowed us to do some things. I was just at a church planning conference in Florida last weekend, last week. And, um, and this is the only model within the Seventh-day Adventist church that allows lay people to be really, really, not, not the only one that allows them to be heavily involved, but for instance, Chattanooga, four years and they just hired a pastor last Thursday. It's 500 people meeting there and they've never had a pastor before. And that's unheard of within the Seventh-day Adventist church, really. Yeah, and it's, it's really, you know, the, um, what, what people, like none of us really understand fully what each of us do, right? Um, like I see Kyle King. Kyle is the president of Adventist Health here in Portland. I have no idea what Kyle does other than once he told me he wrestled someone to the ground that was threatening other people, which I feel like is that in the job description? Yeah, That's I don't so think weird. It's other duties as assigned. Yeah, um, there you go. Is what that is. I, I, I said to him, Kyle, don't you have people that yeah. wrestle other anyway? But that's Kyle. That's who he is. So uh, you know, and for pastors too, uh, we don't think about like church planning is incredibly hard work, yeah. and there's a lot to to do. Um, but I always think it's funny. One of the one of the questions I get is, uh, you know, sometimes because Tim is such a good creator and vision caster and and content creator. Um, you know, and then when Tim's on the screen, I've had people ask me, like, well, if you're not preaching, Patty, like, what do you do? <laughs> like, nothing. I just do nothing. That's the answer to that question. But, it, you know, we don't understand. And so, and, and, and pastoring itself can be also really lonely work. 
And to be involved in this collaborative process where we get to work together. And again, like every week I get to be on a conference call with other people trying to do what we're doing. Yeah. And, and just to support them and encourage them and help them. So it's not just what's happening here in this room. It's the chance we have to really impact and help other people get to taste what we're doing, which is so exciting. Yeah, you know, you get to taste the local expression of what's happening. <clears throat> but phone calls I get to be a part of every week are new cities, new people. People who just, hey, I've started a group in my home and we've got 30 people. How do we move to the next step? Um, people who are planting their own churches all across the world. Um, education, educational universities that are calling us and saying, hey, we want to do something with you um, in your site, uh, satellite campus where you are. It's, thank you. Sorry. Two more, wow. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really exciting, and I understand the, um, it's a little bit of a discomfort to walk in and be like, oh, there's a guy on the screen. Um, but keeping that, keeping that unified voice is important, I think, um, to help us continue to move forward so we're not all moving at different paces. We want to kind of keep this movement happening because, because, and this is what you may not get a chance to see, there is a movement of God that's, hap God that's happening through Crosswalk Church, and it's really a miracle. Um, our good friend, if you remember our Lovewell, our Lovewell series at the beginning of the year, there was that wonderful old gentleman, Bill Johnson. I don't, did you guys show the interview? Yeah, so you saw the interview. Um, Bill just died today. Yeah, today, like 25 minutes ago. Um, but one of my last conversations with him when I was doing the interview um, was, you know, he, this is a 90, like 91-year-old guy, pillar of Seventh-day Adventism, and he's coming to this church that does like lights and loudness, and you know, the university church right, right down the road, like institution, um, and I said, Bill, why did you start coming to Crosswalk? And he said, because I just, I never thought I would see people coming back to church this way, people who hadn't been in church in 30, 40 years, stepping back into it, it's different, it's alive, it's dynamic, they're, they're taking their Bibles back into church. He said, I never thought I would see this. It's a miracle to be able to watch this happen. And, and to be able to do that again and again in different cities and different countries is just an incredible blessing of God. And so I want to affirm Patty. I want to affirm you. I want to affirm your team here and, and everyone who attends. You're part of a movement that God is creating within not just the Seventh-day Adventist church, but, you know, the, the ripple effects. We always say that, like, we're really good at reclaiming people who have stepped away from church, but they're really good at bringing people who don't know Jesus. And so as, as you come and as you bring your friends, it's just part of being this revival. And that's just a miracle. And that's uncomfortable. Like, we get that, right? Miracles are uncomfortable. Um, and, and that's kind of what we're talking about today. And I'll, I'll do what I can to get through it. Um, you know, we're in this series called Uncomfortable, and one of the most uncomfortable things for me, one of the most uncomfortable conversations for me is really this idea of, um, you know, this idea that, that sometimes there's supernatural that happens. You know, we've talked about embracing the discomfort. We've talked about the uncomfortable cross. We've talked about uncomfortable holiness. But, but there's some uncomfortable truths, and, and there's a lot of uncomfortable truths that we live with um, did anyone ever tell you life isn't fair? That is an uncomfortable truth. You know when your parents say that? 
when they like give your sister something awesome and you're a little brother and you don't get it. And you're like, that's not fair. And they're like, life's not fair, which is not a good answer, but it's an uncomfortable truth that we all deal with. How about this one? Happiness is where you are or nowhere at all. This understanding that you have to find happiness with what God has given you today because tomorrow is not necessarily promised us and tomorrow is not necessarily better. Or how maybe this one, taking no risk is the biggest risk, right? You have to risk failure to succeed. You have to risk rejection to be accepted. You have to risk heartbreak to find love. Always avoiding risk means you're risking missing out on life. There are many uncomfortable truths that we see in our lives, but man, there's many uncomfortable truths that we see in Scripture. These truths are sort of difficult to take in and difficult to process. These uncomfortable truths that we find in Scripture. And many of them kind of center around this idea of supernatural occurrences, right? We read the Old Testament and we see God doing these amazing and uncomfortable things. And then we go into the New Testament and we see some of those things as well. And we don't really know what to do with them, especially when we're trying to tell someone who maybe doesn't come from faith. Like, hey, there's a God who does miracles and signs. John calls them signs. Uh, the other gospels call them miracles. We get really uncomfortable with it. And so we've done a few things theologically to kind of process what we do with this. The first thing we do is we say, listen, those things happened before. They don't happen now. They were limited to the apostolic age, particularly in the book of Acts. Right? That's what happened, and it would be great if those things still happened, but they just don't really happen in the same way, right? I mean, it kind of among the reasons for the miracles of Jesus and the apostles was to establish the truth of the gospel, and if the truth of the gospel had been established, then maybe we just don't need those kind of miracles anymore. Hebrews 2, 3, and 4 says, so what makes us think we can accept if we ignore the great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak. And in verse 4, it continues on. And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. So we, we see that these things happen. But if it was just for the establishment of the gospel and that was for the apostolic age, then wouldn't we need them anymore? I mean, still, the gospel gets established in people's lives every single day, so it feels like we might still need those signs and wonders because, man, it would be easier to share the gospel with someone if we could tell them, listen, God is a God of miracles, and then one happened, right? That would just be easier, but it doesn't seem to be the case so much. So another way that we deal with the, this idea of supernatural occurrences is we say, well, listen, sin and lack of faith stop those things from happening, right? And, and this is, this is an interesting one. We have, a, we have a, a Pentecostal group that rents from us on Sundays. And listen, Pentecostals are fun. They're exciting. And there's a couple kinds of Pentecostals. There's like Pentecostals with seatbelts on. They're like, they'll raise their hands and stuff, but they'll get too crazy. And then there's like the kind we've got, which are like, they're healing everybody. They heal the room. They heal everybody. It's awesome. Um, and then I said, well, what happens when it, you know, I'm Havanist, right? So I come back from, I come from a very non-demonstrative fruits of the spirit kind of thing. You know, we don't even raise hands. We're like, well, that's pretty wild. You're crazy. Put your hand in the air. Um, 
So I said to the, to the guy there, I said, listen, what happens when it doesn't work? And he's like, well, it's their problem. It's lack of faith. I was like, oh, it's so convenient. That'd be awesome. I'd love it if that were the case. I don't want to undermine any theology that they have, but, um, but this is one of the ways that we go, well, that, this is one of the reasons why we just don't have a world that really accepts these things anymore, so we don't have faith in them, right? Um, but b- belief and unbelief seem to have a piece of it, right? Matthew 13, 58 eight says, um, says, and so he did, I'm struggling now, so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief, right? So it seems that faith has a part of it, right? We, we worry about it. So what we do is we move towards like scientific explanation of it and say, well, these are the things that happened. Um, and I remember listening to a whole series that a guy did talking, uh, kind of undermining the faith of the plagues of Egypt. And he was talking about the things that happened and what they had in the archaeological record. And the whole time I kept thinking, stop, stop doing it. Stop that. Because we are people of faith, not just knowledge. And if that's true, we need to leave some mystery and allow an opening for God to still be able to move in that way if he chooses. C.S. Lewis says it this way. In science, we've been reading only the notes to the poem. But in Christianity, we find the poem itself. I love this. And I'm sure if you're a scientist, you're like, well, that's not exactly true. And I get that. Right? But one thing we need to recognize is that miracles were not the norm. Right? We have to understand that. We have a particular narrative that f- makes us feel like these things were just happening all the time. The book of Acts make it seem like they were commonplace. They weren't commonplace. We have a very specific narrative. I went to London one time. This was a long time ago. And the movie Colors had just come out. Do you remember that movie about the gangs in L.A.? And, and I was in London, the guy, this guy came up to me, and he's like, you're from L.A., right? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, it's crazy there. Like, yeah, traffic's bad. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, no, man, it's crazy. He's like, what gang are you in? <laughs> I'm like, bro, I'm not, I'm not really in a gang. He's like, yeah, sure, I saw the movie, man. You guys don't carry guns. It's wild, people just shooting each other in the streets. I'm like, not really. <coughs> Excuse me. Like, not really everywhere. And he's like, no, no, no. See, we, when you get a particular narrative that's from a particular slice, you have a tendency to think that it, it, it's all. But, you know, we got to ask ourselves, were miracles and are miracles the norm or the exception? And while Scripture speaks of many more healings in the work of the apostles, they were still the exception. And so I think that we have to realize that they're possible, but they're not necessarily the norm. You may go through life and never experience what you would call a miracle, this breaking of the natural world, like, the, you know, the parting of the waters. But maybe there's many more options in the way that we can think of what miracles really are. Because there's not just those three options of what we do. Because the truth is we need some supernatural. We need some miracles and some signs and wonders. Because what happens when we rid the story of miracles? The first thing is we, we lose Jesus. The incarnation is a miracle. God in the flesh coming down to earth. We, we end up with a lot of Christological like gymnastics trying to figure out who God is and what God was and who Jesus was and was he real and was he not and all that sort of thing. And if we lose Jesus, the truth is we lose love. 
We lose that story of Jesus that is first and foremost a story of love. To tear down that first miracle loses the intent of the story, which was the story of how God can love the world so much. And if we lose the incarnation, we will lose the resurrection and the victory that comes from it. And we don't want to do that. So it seems that we need some of the supernatural. Without it, we gut the gospel of its power. With it, it does mean that it makes it hard to feel like we're rational beings. So we have to find a balance in this uncomfortable truth. How do we live in the tension of this uncomfortable truth? You see, we live in a very different world than they did in the first century. By the way, I know I sound like I'm calm. This is normally the time in the sermon where I'd be pushing a little bit, but I'm just gonna get through this, so thank you. You see, we live in a world of this, if this, then that, right? If this happened, then that, that's causation, direct causation. That's the world that we live in. But that's not the world that they lived in when they were writing these stories of Jesus. And even before, the world that they lived in was a because, therefore world. Because this happened, it means God is good. Because, because what they did is they saw God in everything. And that means that if miracles felt like they were more commonplaces because they thought more things were miracles than we certainly do. The love of a stranger, kindness, generosity, hope, these things become miracles and these are the things that we still experience every single day. We just don't think they're miracles because the water didn't part and I wasn't able to you know, go from the, the Oregon side to the Washington side without going over traffic. But maybe those little things that we do experience every day, those, those meaningful acts of love, those incredible opportunities to care for someone. I mean, is it possible that the small things are still miracles? Because I think they are. I think those small things that we still experience in our life, those serendipities, those happy accidents, those coincidences that we need, those moments of silence where we feel the presence of God, those are just as powerful as the parting of the Red Sea. Not as dramatic, but just as powerful. You gotta remember, after the parting of the Red Sea, the Israelites made the golden calf. Miracles don't convince anyone of anything unless you begin to see that God is working in the small ways of our life. So we're gonna, the band is gonna sing the song, A Million Little Miracles. And while they do that, I want you guys to think about the miracles that God has placed in your life, the things that are happening. I'm gonna ask you to engage. What you do is you text Crosswalk PDX to 37607. It's got to be all caps, I learned that. And just tell us about the miracles that God is making happen in your life through this song. We've done this on all our campuses, and we've got literally at this point today, 
hundreds upon hundreds of miracles that people are experiencing. And we want to hear yours too. Recognize what God is doing. I realize it doesn't have to be a big break. But it can be those little moments. Let's just pray over those today. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this community, this church, this team, these pastors. I want to thank you for the work that they're doing here in Portland, for the way that you're growing their ministry and expanding their influence. And Lord, I just ask that you uh, that you hear these prayers no matter how bad the voice is. Thank you for the miracles. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together and worship in response the incredible God who brings miracles to life. <laughs> 